Rodgers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Watch your final Sam Jones from striker.com and the mothership Joe Patrick when I depend on the game. Jerry Soccer is over there, Joe Patrick. There's an 8% chance Atlanta makes the playoffs. What that, do you think? That high, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but how weird was it after that game where it's not often a team plays their best game of the season and the season kind of goes up in flames at the same exact time, but that's kind of what happened. It feels like in that game. Poetic, isn't it? Yeah, it was kind of in a tragic sense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Now Atlanta, two points below the line right now, two points below Columbus and Miami who have a game in hand puts them at about an 8% chance according to whatever kind of publication you're looking at. Who's giving out playoff odds. Uh, they need a couple breaks over these last couple of games. But I think Joe Patrick, when me and you were discussing what we wanted out of this last part of the season, when we truly, truly thought this team was dead a few weeks ago after I think probably maybe the Red Bulls loss. I think we just said, we just wanted to see one. We wanted to see this team give an effort Mm -hmm. and two, we wanted to see proof of concept. And I think we've gotten more of that than we expected or could have asked for. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that was one of those kinds of awkward things that we were asking about after the game, which was um, I know you use that term proof of concept, which I do think is kind of the best way to phrase it. But like, does it give you any sort of like momentum or maybe not that momentum is not the right word, but does it give you kind of any sense of optimism going into next season based on the way the team is playing down the stretch here? I mean, I think it's I think it does for me. It does. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's pleasing yeah. to see. Um, and I think that you're starting to see how some of the pieces really fit in this team. Like Santiago Sosa has hit his best run of form. We've even seen Alan Franco, who's been uh, you know, obviously an up and down player really hit a solid run of form here over the last month to six weeks. So there are definitely some bright spots that I think give you some hope going into next year. Just just really unfortunate that it was just a little bit too late for this team to to make the playoffs. If this season is 40 games, then maybe they make it in. Exactly. Exactly. It's a bummer. It really does feel like they've they've run out of time more than anything at this point. And just kind of sucks. God, too little, too late. It, like you said, uh, tragic and, and the, the poeticism. I mean, I think everybody during that game was thinking the same thing to themselves, which was, man, if this was the team that we saw all year, this team would mm-hmm. be probably fighting for a home playoff game instead of fighting to stay above the playoff line. I mean, that's the kind of level that we saw from Atlanta United. Uh, well, really what we've seen from them the last few games. That's what we expected at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we said. We, I think me and you both said like mm-hmm. fourth place. Mm-hmm. Just get fourth. And if we've missed if we've missed the playoffs, something's gone terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> and it and <laughs> wow, <laughs> we really it wasn't just something. It was a lot of somethings. Goodness, man. Goodness, goodness. Uh, what didn't go wrong, Joe Patrick, was the intro. Kirk Castle nailed yes. that. The song is "Chances." You can find it on Spotify and anywhere else you listen. To music, check out Kirk Castle on Spotify. A few things for you to guys keep an eye on. We have stuff going up on the Patreon all the time, including our Orlando reaction show with special guest Kevin Egan, who joined us on the show. It was a fun to, one. 
Yeah, that was good. We we got to have some deferring opinions from Kevin on that one, and it was good. It's good that we, me and you, me and you think a little too alike after what five years of doing <laughs> right. this. Sometimes, right? <laughs> well, so, we it, sit next to each other during every single game, so we're kind of bouncing <laughs> stuff off each other during games, and we kind mm-hmm. of flesh out our opinions at that time too. So, yeah, yeah. So great to have Kevin on, and hopefully, we'll see more of Kevin in the future as Bally kind of transitions out and, and Apple comes in. I am personally optimistic that they, uh, that entire crew will be involved with the new product in some way. Right? I, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Kevin, Jill and Mo. Totally. Sure. And unfortunately we didn't get to touch much on that uh, during the interview. It's kind of a weird one where he still, they still may have another game to do on decision day, but it could get flexed into a national spot so uh, i would love to talk to them more about that i'm not sure how much they're will they're allowed to really share with us about mm-hmm. what conversations they may have had with with other people at this point um but yeah best of luck to to all three of them on the crew i think they have done a great job um kevin has done a great job since not initially being like one of the <laughs> members that was supposed to be mm-hmm. the play-by-play voice and really kind of grabbed that and ran with it and has really kind of ingrained himself in the atlanta united community as has jill of course and and moa do this year so um like all of them and yeah i've got nothing but um good high hopes for them going forward yeah that, that's a top tier local broadcast crew yeah trust me get much better trust me <laughs> uh watch a lot of MLS, so. <laughs> this is you sound like someone who's seen some things <laughs> yeah i have i have heard some things too no, uh, I, I think I'll probably have a, some kind of exit interview with them up on the striker.com, which nice. you should also check out for Atlanta United News and a whole lot of analysis of Saturday's game that I just got done typing up just in time to record this. Uh, so we'll, we'll dig into all that in just a moment. But first, we have some news to get to in business time. Business time, Joe Patrick. First thing to touch on, Tarek Almada makes the final roster. Not not just the preliminary roster that he made initially. This is the final roster for Argentina's September friendlies uh, this weekend next. It's a pretty big deal, man. It's a pretty big deal. He's like in a row, like the names listed. It's like Messi, Di Maria, Tarek Almada. Yeah. Decent. Yeah. And I, we've, of course, been talking about this for a little bit. It's not like this is breaking news or anything, but uh, we haven't technically covered it on the podcast. And yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of a you got to got to do a double take when you see Atlanta United also as a club on that list of names alongside, you know, the biggest names in the world. PSG and all those all these teams. Tottenham, of course, one of those names, Christian Romero making the team. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are the best players in the world. And Tiago Amada right there with them, which really goes to show, by the way, that. Uh, these national team directors and coaches are able to evaluate players on an individual level that is, you know, not necessarily uh, in line with the way that the team has performed. Obviously, LA United season has not gone the way they wanted, but clearly these coaches have seen enough from Tiago Almada that he's going to get some serious consideration to make the World Cup squad. And I think that this front, uh, this national team camp is going to go a long way in determining that. Yeah, no, it's huge to have an MLS player make an international squad of that caliber, not only for Atlanta, but for the league as well. Again, we, we keep seeing this over and over. Uh, the the young talent that comes to this league is, is considered more and more viable 
as mm-hmm. we go along by, by everyone, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, you can see that today in the, the 2222 list that uh, MLSsoccer.com released today that I forgot to vote on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody. You're um, just not contributing uh, to the, 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 the locker, your, the, whatever, the uh, chalkboard material that they have now. Like, you just don't want exactly right. to remove yourself from that situation where yeah, someday right, some coach exactly. is going to be holding up who was <laughs> on the U22. I, I don't want to, I don't want to anger Josh Wolf any further. That, <laughs> that's that's right. for sure. That's for sure. Uh, Tiago Amada on that list, Joe Patrick second in the 22 under 22. Rankings for MLS behind only Hayes's Ferreira. I've seen, I've seen, uh, frankly, a lot of the comm staff for Atlanta United pretty up in arms about that. That he's not number one. But he's not number one. Mm. Hayes's Ferreira's got like eighteen goals and five assists. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you there. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. What do you think, Joe? Listen, I can see both sides of the argument, but I think ultimately you've got to you've got to side with the actual production um, that Jesus yeah. Ferrer has given you. I mean, two's two's pretty good, and these are obviously two's two tall, very good actually. players. And it's not to say that you know one is like a, going to be a better player than the other, but I think it's a good recognition for Jesus Ferrer of the season that he's had. It's not the highest ranking ever for a twenty two under twenty two player from Atlanta United. Miguel Almiron won that thing back in 2017, 2018, something like that. Uh, Sikil Barco has been in the top 10 as well. So, you know, no list is perfect. (laughs) Anyway, uh, (laughs) by the way, I think we got some clarity on the contract situation there from Felipe midweek. Did you catch this, Joe? You may not have. No, Um, but I saw we had a question about this and I was actually just going to look it back. Look it up for myself. I was that it's a two year loan. Yes. So what's weird about this, right, is the Atlanta United announces that it's a one year. Right. Or, or rather just didn't include the extra information. Right. Yeah. They said it was a loan the th- through the 2022 <laughs> season. Right. Uh-huh. River Plate said, no, it's a two year loan in their public releases and everything like that. Um, Felipe Cardenas understands that it is that two year loan. There's also an option to buy included in that as well. I don't want to. Um, yes. Anything there Felipe sh- said, there but. should be a 50 percent buy option at the end of each year. Um mm-hmm. So, or probably they could buy out the whole, if they, you know, I, I doubt they're going to take up the 50% at the end of this year. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I guess theoretically they could buy out the entire thing uh, after the second year. I'm not sure if they could buy out 50% after the second year, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. But sounds like it's not something that Lane and is going to have to worry about as much as maybe we initially thought. Yeah. Which is great news. Great news because Joe won't have to bring it up and, and, like the monster from Jaws every other week on the show. Mm-hmm. So I think at least a little I, flexibility. I, I do there. wonder if they, and now that I, I, when I think back to it, there was, it, it was taking some time for this loan deal to get done. And I wonder if Atlanta United extended Ezekiel Barco's contract at that time before they did this loan deal to make it so that Atlanta was still going to have control over him. Um, even when the the loan would end so that they could then decide what to do with him. But we don't have any real clarification on that. So just speculation, but they do yeah. hold is obviously he has to be under Atlanta United's contract under contract with Atlanta United throughout the duration of the loan. So we know it's at least another year. Perfect. Perfect. I'll take it. Right. One yeah. less headache yeah. for now. Yeah. That's, that's future Carlos's yeah. problem. Yeah, right. Not present Carlos's yeah. problem. Uh, Another thing to announce, three twos players made international squads. Johnny Fortune, 
Made the turn in that and Tobago senior team. That's pretty impressive. Uh, goalkeeper Vicente Reyes is a U20 player for, for Chile this week. And uh, Jonathan Vial. Vial, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, he's a winger. He's an attacking mid. Uh, we'll play for Mexico's U18s over the next little international break here. It's uh, Jeff Patrick, anything you want to add to that? You probably know more about this than I do. No, I mean, just similar that uh, at late United 2 season, it's not like the record is good, but it's good to see that coaches are recognizing some of these players, these talented players. And Vicente Reyes is one of them to keep an eye on for sure because um, of this team's kind of goalkeeping situation has been so fluid. Always good to have a have a young guy there who's playing well enough to merit the, these call-ups. Fluid's such a diplomatic way to say that, Jeff Patrick. I respect it. <laughs> yeah. Respect it's a fluid situation. It. Exactly. Also a fluid situation uh, this show. Let's move on to the next segment. This is Sports Prime. Game time. Sports Prime Game Time, 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 Joe DiMaggio. Sports Prime Game Time, 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 Joe DiMaggio. Sports Prime Game Time. It's a sports prime game time, cause it's sports prime game time. Sports prime, sports prime game time. It's a sports prime game time, so it's sports prime game time. Joe DiMaggio. Sports prime game time, Joe Patrick. The best game of the season? Yeah? I think so. I think so. There was some debate about this. Gonzalo Pinedo was pushing back a little bit, but then kind of gave in saying, yeah, that it probably was their best game of the season. I'm trying to think. They've obviously had bigger wins. Yeah. But against the level of competition they were facing. Yeah. They they haven't played better. I don't think. Yeah. I was also thinking of the uh, (laughs) ironically, the nil nil against FC Cincinnati, where that was Mm -hmm. probably their biggest XG win of the season. I think Atlanta racked up like four plus goals of expected goals in that game. And I don't think Cincinnati had a ton, Um, but obviously didn't score in that one. And one of those was from a penalty. But I think the most impressive thing about this this game was that you were pretty much controlling the game the entire time. And that is evidenced by the fact that Philadelphia had five total shots in the game Mm -hmm. with a Mm -hmm. total of what point one three expected goals or something like that. I mean, that's just, that's the kind of utter domination. We haven't seen this Philadelphia team having gone through this year. And Amar Sadich said, said as much in the post game locker room. He was like, yeah, I don't think Philadelphia union have felt a game like that in a long time. No, no. And I wrote about this in full on the striker.com. And I want to throw some numbers out from that article right now, just, just to put them out there. Uh, first and foremost, Philadelphia, the second best transition team in the league. Right. And they clearly showed that in Chester a couple of weeks ago where they piled on 10 shots in transition moments, scored twice and, and generated a whole lot of XG from transition moments. Atlanta United, not a good transition defense team. Right. Uh, fifth worst in MLS in transition defense so far this year. And when we say that those are the moments where possession switches and, and teams attack directly. Right. It's the simplest way to, to kind of sum up transition there. Uh, they haven't been good defensively in those moments. In this game, like you said, Joe Patrick, they they completely shut them down. Uh, one transition shot the entire night, and it came in the 92nd minute and was about 0.004 <laughs> XG 
That's that's suffocating. That's crazy. And Atlanta United played had a midweek game. Philadelphia didn't. Philadelphia should have Mm -hmm. had more legs and more energy theoretically than Atlanta in this game. And Atlanta Gonzalo Pineda is not making changes to this team. So even more credit to the heart. You know, again, what you said at the top, what we wanted to see from this team. These players are putting in big efforts, and this was a big effort in this Philadelphia game. On top of that, Atlanta United got the tactics right. Atlanta and I got the tactics right. You look at the possession shape for Atlanta United in the game in Chester, and there's this just like there's a massive gap in the setup they have, which is like a five three two when they were in uh, Philadelphia. You have Brooks Linden up top on the right possession, big 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 gap to whoever was in that back three, right, and it left a ton of space for Franco Ibarra to try and cover. Oh no. Franco Barra. <laughs> so that's the, those are the last words you want <laughs> Joe to Patrick, hear. you are correct. Oh no is the correct answer. So not only do you go, you go to the 4-2-3-1 in this game and your shape is better throughout. You have Hernandez, Sadich, and Lennon on that right side at that point. But you also just, you plug in Sadich for Ibarra. Joe Patrick, Amar Sadich covered about 7.2 kilometers in this game. In Philadelphia a few weeks ago, Franco Ibarra making his first start and in a while, I think he was well rested for this. He covered less than five kilometers. Wow, that is <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. But he was out there not even finishing the junior 5K. <laughs> that is not good. That is not good. And it shows a big part of, of why Atlanta was having trouble getting pressure to the ball. Right. Mm uh-huh. You go back and watch this one. You see Atlanta getting pressure ball side. Philadelphia attacked on the right side like a ton, like 50% of the time. Philadelphia was going down the right side where Jack McGlynn and this group was. There was so much pressure on that side that Philadelphia never got a chance to switch the field. And when they did switch the field to the left side, you had, again, say to Hernandez Lennon coming back, covering a lot of ground, playing solid defensively and really, really making things difficult. Right. And so that's that's the biggest thing for me is that not only did the tactics right, they got the personnel right. And it stifled the best attacking team in the league right now. Mm hmm. And that's huge. And and you can still upgrade on a player like a Marseidich, like in your best 11. It's kind of unfortunate that he is the best option for this team right now. But mm-hmm. there's something about it seems to me like there's something about having Andrew Gutman. And Ronald Hernandez in these fullback roles that gives the center backs and the midfielders just there's just like less room for the opposition to operate in certain spaces. They they do a nice job kind of balancing the defensive responsibilities that they need to have as fullbacks versus, you know, going forward and attacking. And they do it in different ways. I mean, Ronald Hernandez is not nearly the attacking player that an Andrew Gutman is. But I think that that's good that you have a kind of balance between those two players that one is going to get more you know further forward. The other one can kind of does a nice job tucking in. Um, so I think you have a really good balance there between those two players at fullback. I think there it leaves some questions open as to like, you know, going forward and especially when you kind of project into next year, like how are you going to balance the playing time between um, Andrew Gutman and Caleb Wiley, who's obviously shown out this year. Um, but those are questions that can be answered at a later date. I just thought that the tactics that were on display in this one were really good, really solid, as you described there. And then I also think that this team is really benefiting from the width in the attack with Luis Araujo on the left 
and Brooks mm-hmm. Lennon on the right side. We talked about this with Kevin Egan, but it seems like playing Louise on the left kind of um, saves him from some of his worst impulses that he has when he's playing on the right, where he's pretty predictable in what he wants to do, which is obviously to cut in on his left foot and shoot. And it just seems like when he's playing on the left, he might not enjoy it as much because it does kind of maybe stifle that thing that he really likes to do when he's playing on the right. But I think it, it, um, it gives the team a more kind of direct dynamic on that side. Mm -hmm. And and with the two of them just gives them a lot of width and directness that they've been really sorely lacking for much of the season. And it's not just they were going direct. It's that the buildup was solid as well. It, that shape kind of allowed for that buildup, I think, to be solid. And again, the personnel allowed for that buildup to be solid. Joe Patrick in Chester a couple weeks ago, Lane United had, I think, about 18 turnovers in their own third in that one. And this game, they had three. Wow. That's their low. That's like the second lowest total of the year, third lowest total of the year for Lane United. So, I mean, when you're not giving the ball away in your own third, who knew? And it helps you out defensively. And that's with Raul Godinho, who's had question marks around his ball playing abilities, and Juanjo Parata, who we've mm-hmm. seen give the ball away pretty terribly at times. I think a lot of that credit has to go down to Alan Franco, who I think we're really starting to see how much his on-ball game can help this team when he's on. I mean, the the issues that everybody has had with Alan Franco, myself included, at times this season has been has been the defensive stuff. It's been, you know, the poor aerial ability, the um, you know, just some of the decision making at times. There was that time where he ran now super wide in that Austin game, just kind of like a you know loses <laughs> his head at times decision making wise. Um, but I think we're starting to see the best of Alan Franco. And I think that part of it is down to how he how he's fitting in with with the, you know, the tactics and the personnel that's been deployed by Gonzalo Pineda these last, you know, several games. But it's been it's been good signs. I don't know if it's good enough that people are going to feel super comfortable with him in particular going into next year. But I think people might might need to might need to get used to it because I'm not so sure that he's going to be replaced. We could talk about long term in a second, but in the short term, I think you're right. I think that. Uh, and I could see it against Philadelphia where he was making really solid decisions in what to do in those transition moments when you had uh, Carranza and Ura, uh doing whatever they were doing up top. And he was able to, to snuff out a lot of the balls over the top and was reading plays well. But it also helped, too, that he had a numbers advantage, essentially. Atlanta yep. never had a numbers disadvantage. Yep. Which is Philadelphia's whole game. Yep. You know, to, to not even face that once was incredible. But when you had the two strikers up top, we talked about earlier Ronald Hernandez's ability to kind of tuck in. It kind of became like a back three at times. And so you had the three defenders up against the two strikers. And you had midfielders actually tracking back. What a novel concept, right? <laughs> midfielders actually tracking back, keeping track of God's dog and keeping track of all those folks. And it completely cut everything off. So, yeah, he, he was good. And like you said, critical and build up. When it comes to the numbers advantage, like you said, I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, if you're ever watching a game and it feels like you're playing against a team who has an extra man, it's typically because either the tactics are off and that's why you're losing. That's why you're at a disadvantage, a numbers disadvantage in certain places of the field, or it's a lack of effort slash fitness on the players and, and mm-hmm. just not being able to get into the spaces that the coach wants you to get in, in certain situations. So all that to say is I think you're totally right there where Gonzalo Pineda is nailing it and it's requiring an effort from his players, which they are delivering um, whether that's because they feel like the season's on the line, they've got to put that in, but I, it seems to me like they're running substantially more 
than they were at other points of the season. Yeah, it felt like all the 50-50 balls they lost a couple weeks ago, they won this time. And I think it all feeds into itself, right? When you have more confidence in the tactics, you totally. have more confidence to yep. get forward and yep. you have an understanding of when and how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing with a consistent lineup and with a lineup that, that understands their roles in a way that we haven't all year. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to kind of dig into to Alan Franco as far as like a long term solution at center back. And I, I think I've kind of said I've had a bit about four spots for Atlanta United in the offseason. And just to rehash that striker, rangy midfielder to help out Santiago, who's not a league minimum player. Sorry, Amar, I love you. <laughs> you also dress really well. I wanted the like the shacket. Oh, thing yeah, you were yeah, wearing. yeah. That was cool. Uh, what was the other spot? Uh, center back. I was going to replace Alan Franco. So I'm going to pair with Miles and then uh, fullback if you wanted to to maybe move on from books and Hernandez. The last few games I've kind of like shifted away from that. And I think you can almost boil it down to two spots at this point. Mm-hmm. Just get a starting striker, a starting caliber striker, and get that midfielder. And it may not be as busy in offseason as we thought yeah. to get this team in a place where they can compete. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I don't know if I would have changed my mind had I not seen these last few games that this team has played. And mm-hmm. it really looked like against Philadelphia, if they had a badass DP striker that you would, you know, a, a striker that you would expect to, you know, score 15 goals in a season or whatnot. Um, they would have been really dangerous. Like this team would have been really, really good. Unfortunately, they didn't have that striker, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think that Gonzalo Pineda is finding he's, I think he's learning a lot about these players and this squad over the course of the season in general. And um, both, uh, both tactically and just personally in their, characteristics as uh, teammates and all that. And I think he's finding a good group that works together. Uh, I think Juanjo Parata, I, I would still say he's been such a huge influence on this team. Just the kind of, it's kind of crazy that he's actually younger than Alan Franco. He's like, what is he 24 <laughs> or something? But mm-hmm. he seems to have brought like a really high level of professionalism and, um, like he uh, like responsibility, like like responsibility to play well for the fans. It, it's weird. I don't mean to say that they didn't have this before, but it's it's kind of seemed like at a certain point of the season, the team was just kind of going out there, you know, getting done with the 90 minutes and getting into the locker room. And then, yeah, like it, it's not like they felt like this responsibility um, to to play to a certain standard or to deliver um a, a certain standard of themselves. And it seems like Juanjo Parata, again, when we hear Gonzalo Pineda talk about him being a guy who's bringing other players into the the weight room, into the gym with him to, to do some extra sessions. I think that that's the kind of thing that really manifests on the field. And we're, and we're starting to see that tight knit um, bond between the players starting to show now. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And it's God progress isn't linear. That's, that's my only thing that's yeah. kind of killing me right now. Like I know it's not going to just, they're not going to just straight up pick up where they left off the first game of the season right, next year. Right. It, it's like what it's a one, two, three, four. It's about a five month off season. <laughs> like and things are going to change. It's going to take a second again, but it, you, you kind of feel like if they can just continue any part of this momentum and into next year, there's a good chance that they reach where they were supposed to be this year at the very least, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Prada will be a part of that. 
I think they'll exercise that option as quickly as they can. Yeah. Same here. If they haven't like already Mm -hmm. an under underground. Right. Mm -hmm. So I still have some questions about Juan Hoprata on the field. Just again, like his ability on the ball and things like that. But he won't have to be the guy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's almost like, uh, I'm not like comparing them as players, obviously, but like Julian Gressel was a player who like, obviously he had his strengths. So does Juan Hoparata. Um, had his deficiencies, I think, Julian Gressel, but you would always, you're mm-hmm. always willing to accept some of those deficiencies because of what he brings to the team, both in the final third, it was for Gonzalez, for Gressel, uh, you know, with his delivery for one Operata, it's the, the goal scoring ability that he has. <laughs> um, but also just again, that kind of the intangibles that they bring to the team as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good comp. I think it's a good comp. Do you feel comfortable starting with Alan Franco as a center back next year? as a pair with miles i do i've always been more on <laughs> alan franco's side i think that you know when you think like you've got alan franco miles robinson juanjo parata as kind of like your third center back i i, I still think that you know parata you'll i'm not even considering miles as being part of the team next year until like more mid-season um we'll see how his rehab goes but just with an achilles you just never know how players going to progress with that. So I think they probably could use some added depth though, um, in that spot, maybe, um, uh, Noah Cobb will be, you know, yeah. ready to be like a fourth, you know, you're like your fourth center back at that point. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of, now I'm thinking that they're not going to be prioritizing this position in the transfer market. So can we agree on the, on the two spots at the very least, right? You, you get the DP striker in somehow some way that may include getting rid of Joseph Mm -hmm. or restructuring that contract somehow. Mm -hmm. And you find the, the midfielder with Sosa. And is there, is there any other place right now where you kind of have a particular worry, at least on like the, the best 11 cents? No, I want to see if you come to the same conclusion I am right now. I'm with, no, I'm with you. I think those are the two spots. I mean, I think you have some other concerns on the team, maybe goalkeeper, um, Again, it kind of like center back where it felt like much more of a priority a couple months ago as to where we are yeah. now. You feel a little bit more secure there. Um, still think there's questions about Godinho that we just he hasn't had an opportunity to answer yet just because of the limited sample size. And we don't know exactly what Brad Guzan's gonna, injury rehab is going to be like, but it seems like he's on a really good path considering he's already out doing some some work. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I guess the only other thing would be on the wing, you know, like Luis Araujo, is he going to be a left winger for you? Because if he is, are you playing him on the left wing and Gutman at left back? And where's Caleb Wiley uh, in that mix? You know, like, I think you got to sort out a way for to make sure you're you're getting the most out of Caleb Wiley. I think that this year they probably has played him a little bit too much, but it's just been out of necessity. Mm-hmm. You needed him out there, but you've got to find the right balance there. Well, well, let's pause and go back right quick because you finally got to the thing. You finally got to the thing I wanted to get to, which is Luis Araujo. And a growing concern for me about his ability to kind of really be the, the right person for this team. Joe Patrick, I, I saw a stat today that there's been no one worse in MLS on the wing at making off ball runs. Oh, than really? Luis Araujo. Wow. No one. <laughs> wow. This was in the, the 22 under 22 right up today for, for Tyus Magno of NYCFC is a really young player, really talented guy, very similar profile to Louise, I think, and then their ability on the ball. 
And the, the article was essentially like he's the only worrying thing about him is his off ball runs where he's second worst only to Louisiana. <laughs> so knowing that, knowing that, I think you can guess one of these people that I'm about to give you. I'm about to give you a little stat line here. Right. And I, I want you to tell me who the other person is. Okay. So Louise, uh, 2033 minutes, four goals, five assists, our mystery player, mystery season as well. 2138 minutes, seven goals, eight assists. Joe Patrick, who is that mystery player? Is he a winger? Is, are, we, are we saying this is a, okay. Could be. Um, what'd you say? Seven goals and eight assists. Mm-hmm. And again, Louise has four goals and five assists and very similar minutes. Oh man. Um, uh, Tito, is it Tito? No. <laughs> is it, um, I feel like Gressel's numbers would be better than seven and eight. You'd be right. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Joe Patrick, that oh. is a Secule Barco last oh, year. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. Seven and eight for the guy that we were uh, pretty happy to see go. I think. <laughs> yeah. Compared to four and five. You know, it's an interesting one about the, the other run. Guy. It's an interesting thing that you mentioned about the runs, too. And it, it totally checks out, like yeah. just like in my head, that he doesn't like make those off ball runs. And it seems to me to be a thing where. You know, designated players come to the league and they, I think, rightly see themselves as like the more technically talented players on the team, at least that they step into, and especially if they're mm-hmm. stepping into an attacking position like this. And I think Louis Zadaruju is one of the top, like probably three most technical players um, on this team. So then they always want to receive the ball defeat. You know, they always like want mm-hmm. to get on the ball. And by doing that, they want to come towards the ball and just, you know, find pockets of space to receive it in instead of doing the frankly unselfish things sometime, which is to just make a run, not knowing whether they're going to get the ball to you or not. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing that he dribbles well and that he can take players on -on one-on-one. Yeah. You need different ways to unlock teams. That's why Austin just went out and got his name's Ragoni. He's a designated player who his dribbling numbers are better than anyone else's on Austin right now. And (laughs) Uh, they they clearly saw a need for that in an offense that is predicated on those off ball movements and passing and everything like that. Sometimes you have to unlock teams in different ways. So we're not saying that that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. we're just saying it can't be the only thing. Right, right. And if it's the only thing, then it's a problem. And you know, some of that is kind of mitigated by putting him on the left and making him be more direct naturally because he is left footed. And so to get on the ball in the first place, he has to make runs in behind for the most part. Exactly. At certain times. That's why that's why I say it's like saving him from himself because it avoids yeah. it like it 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 helps him avoid the temptation of doing the thing that is not in the best interest of the team at all times, you know. Sometimes I think that when he's playing on the left, he understands that oh yeah, if if I make this run then I will be getting the ball in the space that I want to be in. So, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. But that very rarely happens on the right, especially when he knows he's got an overlapping. He's expecting an overlapping Brooks Lennon to come in and kind of make that run for him. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about his issues with shot selection. Again, the, the numbers are wild to see him second in the league in shots with just four goals around a whole bunch of other guys who have double digit goals. It, 
it's kind of concerning, honestly, that he's never scored more than four goals in a professional season. He had four and four last year in that short yeah, time. Yeah, that is wild. That is wild. He's got four and five this year. <laughs> it's a bit concerning is all I'm going to say. And I don't think you I don't think you panic yet on that necessarily. But I think you keep in mind that if if things have not turned by summer next year, you might be need to you might need to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. And that's where Just the market case. might kind of open up for a transfer like that to happen. And it's mm-hmm. that's the time when if things are not going ideally for Atlanta United at that point, sometimes it's hard to to sell a DP during the summer because it's in the middle of your mm-hmm. season and, you know, fans don't want to see that. But I think that that could be marketed in a way that it's actually going to help the team to try to make a swap here, try to make a swap in terms of selling off Luis Araujo and, and bringing somebody else in again, if, if, and when it gets to that point. Exactly. Joe Patrick has reached the point in our show where we're going to take a quick break. Before we get back into your questions, did just want to let everybody know that as always, this episode of Five Stripe Finals presented by Lucid FC. That's Lucid Footwear and Clothing. They have a shop in Buckhead that's open by appointment and walk-ins 1 to 8 p.m. daily. It's located at 3209 Paces Ferry Place. If you go online to lucidfc.us, you can use DSS as your season-long promo code for free shipping in the United States. That's DSS as in like Dirty South soccer uh they'll have new releases or they're having new releases every thursday on the website that you can go check out and they're preparing for an exciting world cup season ahead which is crazy that it's like right around the corner the world cup um so make sure to follow lucid fc on social media at lucid fc to stay up to date on everything that they're going to be doing around the world cup which will include uh live events and special promotions and all that stuff so make sure you're following them at lucid fc basically everywhere on social media. And again, use DSS as your free, your promo code for free shipping. So Patrick, we were talking about Atlanta's center back depth, but I I kept thinking in my head, I'm like, I think we're forgetting someone. And we were, we were Pineda head 17 says, looking ahead to 2023, Franco might be replaced with a new center back brought in. Should we be content with a defensive core of Gutman, Robinson, Parata, Campbell, Mm. Lennon, Hernandez, Wiley, and one more new, center back edition. We forgot about George Campbell. What do you you think about Cam? What do you think about George Campbell? I think he's worth having as a fourth center back. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But right now for me, he's a fourth center back. Like he's not a third. I mean, he's, he's 20. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to rag on him. He's still super young, but I think that, uh, he was thrust into a situation that maybe he just like, wasn't prepared for this year because mm-hmm. I think the performances have been much more often on the poor side um, than on the good side for him this year. Um, the team has generally been better since he stopped being in the starting line. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's still a player that could benefit from regular appearances with the twos, which I think he will get next year, assuming all these guys that Pineda had mentioned are healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And it like, I, frankly, I think it would be really good to have like George Campbell and Noah Cobb, playing in a partnership with the twos on a regular basis, mm. um, have them play, be playing together and just getting that experience together as a partnership. And it's going to make them better for when they are needed with the first team. Yeah. That so makes sense to me. that doesn't answer but the qu- question. Doesn't though. answer the question though. As far as the depth goes, I think I'm, I'm very, very okay with that. My question is, 
if Brooks Lennon is going to be your winger, would you perhaps not want another person to do that? <laughs> you know, it, which would require two things. It would require three things, actually. You would have to get rid of Brooks Lennon. You'd have to bring in another more natural winger. And you'd have to replace um, some depth at fullback. You know, mm-hmm. is, is that something that, that intrigues you at all, Joe Patrick? I'm sorry. Uh, I was. What intrigued me? Replacing Brooks Lennon? Yeah. <sighs> like he's he's your starting winger right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I like I don't want to replace Brooks Lennon on this team, but I'm not like dying to do that. If someone mm-hmm. makes a trade offer for him and it's pretty good, maybe you take it. I'm not saying that, but like um, I'm not trying to offload Brooks Lennon from this team because he's got this versatility now with what you said i would almost rather at this point just have him be a winger and Mm. add a right back um and with ronald hernandez i'm not sure um what the where the club is at with him it feels like it's a bit of a crossroads where they need to decide one way or another um what is going to be Ronald Hernandez's future? Cause I think that you can find similar players to him, you know, just like kind of more defensive right backs. Uh, I think you can find those on the market, but he is a solid player for this team. And didn't cost much. No, it's not really. Yeah, exactly. None of them really. I'm are trying to think on my head right now, if he's a international player, which I, I assume he is, mm-hmm. but, um, well, yeah, to, to add to the linen on the wing thing, what that does as well is it offers you some kind of defensive solidity up top, which has been seriously lacking from this team all season. You can see it in the pressing numbers and how ineffective yeah. they are yep. so regularly. So to have that up there as an option is is nice, you know, and, and I think it's something that they would want to look for as well in the, the, the theoretical DP striker, right? As someone like a, a Julian Carranza who they faced this weekend, whose defensive numbers are also very, very solid and who can help press and, and keep uh, players pinned back as they try to build up and, and move out because it obviously hasn't been happening with any of the, the other Atlanta United players. I mean, maybe Cisneros runs a lot, but it's not quite, it's not quite Tati Castellanos, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah, no- just go sign Tati Castellanos. It's that easy, isn't it? <laughs> I agree with you that um, I think, Brooks Lennon is a player who should be playing typically on the wing. Um, But if that's the case, then I do think you need to add a right back to that group. But I don't know if you need to like get rid of anybody in that group. Interestingly enough. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm saying that you don't get rid of anybody in that group. If you get it again, if you get an offer for him, but I don't think you need to be trying to shop any of them. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, we might need to be shopping Marcy though. Philip Jeffcoat says it's clear Moreno isn't part of future plans for Atlanta. Do they trade him inside of MLS or sell him to another league? It's whatever offer you get, mm-hmm. whatever the best offer is. That, that's that's where we're at with this. And I think you will. I think you will get offers. He can be valuable to someone. Yeah, Sam, you might take a bit of a bath, but that's it. You might be able to answer this question with a bit of insight that I don't have, but. Is there do you think that there's a preference in terms of selling within the league or outside of the league? Like is getting allocation money better than getting a lump sum? I don't know if you've talked to anybody like Doyle or anybody has like a take on this, but it seems like this would be something up TF's out, Toyota Football's Alley mm-hmm. that like 
I don't know. He would have a take on. I don't know if there's a preference. There's got to be someone out there who has some kind of conversion metric for this. Right, but right. It, it's a pretty like case by case basis, depending on what you need to do. You know, if you need to buy down players in their contracts and the allocation money is huge. Mm-hmm. You, know? you are if, getting you're, you are getting allocation money in terms of like the cap space. Well, not I guess not allocation money, but like you're getting cap space. Well, yeah. And allocation money like you're getting allocation money back if you sell for a profit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that will be the case for Atlanta. Well, but. I mean, part of that, I mean, we're seeing it in certain places that teams are seeing the, the allocation money they can get as more valuable. I think Paul Ariola was part of this where he was pretty upset to go to Dallas. Yeah, yeah. Initially, yeah. and I may be speaking out of turn there. It was someone this offseason who was pretty upset about the moves they were promised and then stayed with MLS because of the allocation money that they wanted. Uh, so I, I think some teams are opting for that in certain cases because it does end up being more valuable. And I think I want to say Sam stage call it friend of the show and Paul Tenorio have, have written and talked about this as well. Uh, but, uh, but now as we're talking about it, I, I'm thinking of a, a few scenarios where the allocation money was seen as much more valuable than just the transfer value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be the only so, thing, but it, it certainly yeah. seems like um, Marcelino Moreno, his days are numbered. I certainly do not expect him to be back. And I think it's been pretty clear based on the lack of playing time. What's the number? What was the uh, 212 minutes? I don't think he got in. Did he get in? You no, know, he didn't. Saturday? And they only use four. Wow. Subs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, oh, God. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Yikes, but where do you put him in? You know, like I can't disagree with the decision because no, uh-uh. he's one of those players where, yeah, if it's nil nil, it's late on who are you putting him in for? I don't know if there's a clear answer there. That's a good point. That's I keep on, point. I keep on thinking back to that early, that game early in the season where I was like, man, he's not a winger, is he? <laughs> he's just not <laughs> fast. He's just not fast. Sam, there, before we go on to the next question, I just want to look, um, notify you of something because I've been looking okay. at Atlanta's roster. I know you're the first person that, or this is the first time you're hearing this Atlanta United could open up a pretty massive amount of salary budget space this off season. If they get rid of certain players, Marcelino Moreno, it seems like Emerson Heinemann is also kind of days are numbered. Do you expect him to be mm-hmm. back on the roster next year? I do not. I do I not either. Not even really seen him around the training ground as of late. And I, totally honest. I was hearing from somebody that his this is the last year of his contract. I've asked around on that and haven't been able to confirm. Or he could anything. be released. It's like maybe he has a club but, option that they could just not pick up. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you've got that one time buyout. And if you don't have to spend it on the Secular Barco, apparently, you know. Yeah. Could be Emerson. And then um, Mateus Rosetto, too. I don't, I don't know if he's on his way out, but. If they were to possibly move him, I'm kind of scared that they value him too much. <laughs> yeah. Though, they, like we can't see Pineda, like, exactly yeah, what they're yeah, seeing. Yeah. I'm dude. I'm worried that Pineda's like, he's my number eight for next year. Like <laughs> that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah. If he said, no, we're going to ride <laughs> Hosetsu the entire way. That would be the single worst case scenario. I cannot think of anything that would upset me more. Quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, I mean, those are three players on pretty huge wages, so um, mm-hmm. could make things interesting. Again, you're going to have to take a bit of a bath on these things, but yeah. like we're talking like big baths in the sense of like MLS, right. in the sense of like right, Arthur right, Blank's right, NFL right. money. He's right. not going to notice if you if you walk in and take a, a couple mil out of his checkbook, yeah. which is not. Yeah, that's like what? Like one Felipe Franks. Dude. 
so i'll never forget like covering the braves it hit me like that like some like middling reliever that could very well be sent down or released at any point was making like four million dollars and it's like that's mm-hmm. just insane <laughs> <laughs> it's a different world it's a different world hicks has a question it says does louise have double digit goals in him especially if you move him to the left away from cutting in and shooting i almost want to see like Remember PT's like final line one year was like five and nine. You know, I wonder if Louise could be a more advanced version of that and put together like a like a, a 10 and 7-Eleven kind of. Oh, year. OK, yeah, 7-Eleven yeah. something kind of year. You know, I, I think being on the left will help him creation wise. 100 percent to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Being on the left will help the assists for sure. I think it probably makes goal scoring. Actually, you never know because, yeah, when you put it on like a magnet board or something, it certainly doesn't look like he would be set up as a left footed player to score many goals from that side. But you just never know the way that that might position him to be better suited to like, you know, be in position to finish a a rebound, you know, like like a spilled save or something like that. Um I think it probably would help him both in both the assists and goal scoring numbers, just because it would put him kind of more in the box. I think he would be just mm. in the box more than when he seems to be on the right side. He kind of skirts around the edges and wants to be this kind of playmaker and take long shots that are really bad. This is another area where a starting caliber striker would really help things as well. It would make things so much easier. Yeah. For him, you know? Yep. So there you go. There, there's your offseason. Does he have? I would say no. He does not have a double digits goal scoring season in ML. Unfortunately. Yeah, we we have we have a lot of evidence right now <laughs> that suggests that, which is not exciting at all. Not exciting at all. But oh well, it's okay. We've been wrong before. Dragneel six one one says, "What if anything did the last three games change in your opinion of the team heading into the offseason? I think we kind of already mentioned our our confidence in in some of those personnel mm-hmm. improving. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that's kind of stood out to you as far as uh, changing your opinion? I think next year? it changed. I don't know if this is really changing my opinion, but maybe reinforcing the notion that the team that Gonzalo Pineda has not lost the dressing room. There's been like a lot of question marks about Gonzalo Pineda for tactical decisions or whatnot throughout the season. We've certainly voiced our share of those, but um. I think that it says that there's still a lot of belief in the team in him and that I think the project that he's trying to get out of first gear is still is still there like that. There's mm-hmm. it's that's still possible. Something I want to echo from Kevin when we talked to him on the Patreon, patreon.com slash fast final was. His belief that the culture of the team is in a much, much better place than it was a couple of years ago, even a year ago before. Um, Pineda came and that is something that we have heard as well from people around the club. Kevin was saying, yeah, I've talked to folks around the club who say it's just miles better. And I would agree with that. I want to echo that as well as we kind of frame up next year. Yeah. For Gonzalo Pineda. Yeah, totally. Hicks has one more question. He says, how long is Barco's contract? We talked about this. This is good. He signed in 2018, but Felipe says he's on a two year loan to river. Did he sign an extension before moving, taking his contract? Uh, to seven oh, there years. There we go. Golly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think, seven he, I think years. He, I think he right, may have, we, I don't have any confirmation that he did, but I, again, just kind of working out the numbers. I don't, I don't think he signed a seven year contract when he signed for Atlanta United in 2017. 
That was when he signed, like December 2017. December 2017. What year yeah. are we in now? 2022. So 2018, 2019. You got to count the 2020 year. That's where the math goes off in these contracts. Zero, <laughs> zero is a number. One, two. Uh, so we're already on the fifth. This is the fifth year. The loan is guaranteed to go through next year. So I think he did sign an extension somewhere that has not that we've not been informed of. How wild is it that Ezekiel Barco has been in our lives for five years now? That <laughs> breaks my brain a little bit. We've been through so much. Oh, what a long, strange journey it's been. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. We got one more question. Uh, Ty Quinn says, what does mascara need to do to get a start? Be more decisive. Be more decisive. His speed of thought and his decision making isn't quite there yet. And he hasn't coupled that with his ability to, to kind of control the ball uh, closely and not kind of dribble in the traffic. But man, when he he's as fast as an Atlanta United players we've had in a long, long time, yeah. I think yeah. and the moment where he just completely took off on maybe been Jose Martinez on the wing over the weekend was, was astounding and ran like a Miguel Almiron style run for, for about 60 yards into the box. And I think at that point was the moment where Andre Blake made that incredible save that the ball was going to the top right corner or top left corner rather. Yeah. And Blake got to it. And so Mascara had a great cameo in this one. And he's going to continue to be the guy that we're going to keep saying, man, if he, if he ever puts it together (laughs) and I'm afraid that might just exactly, I'm afraid that might be his entire existence at Atlanta United, but um, I'm understanding more and more why that was a U22 deal they were willing to make. Uh, you have a high ceiling guy that you can bring in and take a risk on with that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I, the one thing I would warn about is that uh, oftentimes with a very pacey player like Mascara, he leaves you wanting more, right? Because like he creates all these chances and stuff. But I think that... um you might not like him so much as a starter because he's going up against guys who are also fresh and like more able to keep up with him where his strengths are really magnified by the fact that he is coming in later in games, going against tired legs and able to sprint even faster past people. So um, that's the only thing to, to kind of be careful of. And I think, but I do think that he can start games eventually once he kind of gets that final ball sorted out, just like everybody. Man. If he ever gets it together. Yeah. Jeff Patrick, we did a pretty good job of getting this show together. We have a whole bunch more stuff together on patreon.com slash five stripe final. Check out that. Uh, check out Dirty South Soccer. Check out Jeff Patrick on 929 The Game from time to time. Doing all sorts of coverage for stuff like uh, the Braves and the Falcons and, of course, Atlanta United. Do we have a pizza? Do we have a pizza party coming up? We do have a pizza party coming up. Since the good folks at patreon.com slash five stripe final. Uh, got us over 200 subscribers. We're at like 250 now, I think, Hell this yeah. season. Hell yeah, brother. We promised, we promised a pizza party. Uh, we haven't found the venue yet. We haven't found a place that actually serves pizza and shows Atlanta United games yet, but we're working <laughs> on it. Uh, the plan for that is October 1st at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're inviting all our friends, all our friends. That includes our guests that have been on the podcast. Even those who are only year. five strike final curious. If you're not exactly, that familiar, right. but you're listening to this right now. There'll be more details about this coming out later, but feel free to join us. Yeah. So follow us on social at five stripe final. And of course at J Patrick 200 and at J underscore Sam Jones. We'll have more 
on that as we build towards uh, that. That'll be during the end of the revolution game at 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on October 1st. It's a Saturday. Uh, we'll be somewhere with lots of TVs, I'm sure. So they'll not only have Atlanta United, they'll have college football game of choice going on as well at that time. So uh, it'll be fun. We already have like 15 something people kind of already like ready to go for it and and plenty more to come as well. So keep an eye out for the pizza party. Joe Patrick, anything else you want to add before we got out of here? No, that's it. All right. Y'all subscribe to thestriker.com as well. Thestriker.com. Check it out. All right. Let's go. Bye, y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to this completely arbitrary internet content piece.